I suppose I should not have been surprised when after a generous pour from Yael's jug of homemade mushroom wine, Ollie Hardweather pulled a judgment card from the tarot deck she'd kept hidden in the folds of her crushed velvet new moon robe. We had gathered for an Ides of March party, which is always a gonzo time for soothsayers. Everyone's got a warning for something at these things, and after last year was canceled due to the pandemic, I was hopeful that we could avoid doing anything this year at all, but the Zoom invite came in two weeks ago, and I had a premonition of what we were in for. Yael and Ollie had been bunking together since April of last year, so they now shared the center square of our screen. Of course, the other usual suspects were present as well, Gary and Linda, Divinity, Jace, Iris, and the Celtic twins. I think Killian was there, but his box was just a low-res photo of him drinking from a wooden chalice at a Ren Fair outing in 2002. I was thankful to not be able to smell or taste that fungal homebrew, but I was intrigued by this judgment card, and its implication that we're at a stage of renewal and rebirth. The Zoom went pretty quiet for a moment as we all contemplated what that could mean for the year ahead. After so much bad news, perhaps, this was the time that we would finally emerge anew. But then the Celtic twins started chanting and predicting something about Divinity's tooth, and then Killian out of nowhere made a joke about toothsayers, and, well, I lost a little faith in the tarot cards that night. Luckily, we didn't stay on the call much longer, and Glinda and I returned to our nightly pandemic rituals of spraying the pillows with rose water and burning a cleansing old-growth pine incense. And as I watched the embers smoke and then die down, I thought about this last year and the things that I was able to hold on to without the benefit of fortune tellers or people guiding the way. And I remembered the music that meant so much to me and helped pull me through the uncertainty of this last year. But we're talking about exactly that music and the process of making it this week when we let the smoke from too much incense out by cracking a window and slipping through the tiny holes of the screen out into... The Deep Night. Oh, friends, hello. It's me. <laughs> Who else? Dale Seaver. And I'm so pleased to be your host, guide, and guru through this next hour of regrets and revelations. We call the deep night. We come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And no, the Gowanus is not green for St. Patrick's Day. That's just an out-of-control toxic algae bloom. Uh, go down and scoop up a little if you're looking for a cheap nightlight for your walkway or garage. Yes, the Ides of March, they say to look out for them. A time of settling of debts, a time of betrayal. Well, if you've been following me on the Instagrams, you know that there's been a 
weird development out in the world, and it's a curious position to be in to see something that has been yours, uh, that you've nurtured over many years, your very being in this case, be co-opted, reimagined, repackaged by someone with more clout and money and all the rest, but also sitting with anger or fussing over something out of one's control is not in old Dale's vocabulary. My turtleneck is tight enough without a big ball of rage stuffed inside. Now, maybe as a young person I would have gotten my hackles up. But after so many years of meditation and sitting cross-legged on hard stones, I think I'm in a better place. So thank you for your calls and notes of concern, and truly thank you for holding on to the anger so I don't have to. <laughs> But ultimately, friends, the cosmos is vast and the market for mystically-minded podcasts is small, so I imagine they'll find it just as unlucrative as I have. Now, on to sunnier topics. Spring is coming, and while this has been an emotional time of reflection for me, and truly a time of extreme feelings of joy and relief mixed with the ever-present just pulse of loss and grief— I wanted to reach out to one of my favorite musical artists and just let them know how much their music has meant to me over this past year. Elizabeth of Elizabeth and the Catapult was all set to play one of our live shows uh, that we were going to do at the Slipper Room back in March when that show, like everything else, got canceled. And then somehow we were, uh, miraculously it seems now, able to get an online streaming show up and going, and she agreed to be part of that. And listening to her that first night she did it, I realized, oh, uh, just what a powerful talent she is in possession of. And I was eager to have her back, and she did another show, and that was great. But the problem with having musical guests uh, of this uh, caliber is that within the context of the show, you know, things are moving, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, you got to get on with it. Uh, we didn't have time in that environment to go deep and, and get to know each other. So I was very happy that we had that chance uh, here on the program tonight. Elizabeth has toured and performed with some music legends. An eager collaborator, Elizabeth worked with Sarah Bareilles on Apple TV's Little Voice and with Paul Brill and a number of award-winning documentaries. Elizabeth and the Catapult's fifth studio album, uh, it just came out. Uh, Sincerely E is the name of that. It was recorded in her living room during quarantine, and it's her first fully self-produced album. And I'll tell you this, it's terrific. The album is available everywhere, as I said, right now, and uh, so is this conversation. <laughs> so let's go do it. Friends, this is me and Elizabeth of Elizabeth and the Catapult. Elizabeth and the Catapult, welcome to the deep night. I am so happy to be here. Hello. Hello. And I should say welcome back, of course, because um, uh, you were on some of our live shows that we did over the the spring of last year, which was so great. Um, and, but now it's a, a terrific chance to just uh, talk with you. Yeah, I had I was so lucky to do those shows. I had such a great time. Each time I met so many talented artists and writers and thinkers. I was just honored to be with the bunch, you know, but this is cool. This is cool that we can talk a little more now. 
Yes, and uh, you know, I, I must tell you that um, you were such a big part of my pandemic experience. Really, not only because you kind of you came in and did those shows, uh, but uh, yours when things were really scary and, and kind of dark in those early times in New York. Yeah. Uh, yours was the first voice that I heard in that darkness and really listened to and was able to uh, cling to as a, a kind of emotional anchor. <laughs> so, wow, I thank are you, you serious? For that. Was that through the live streams? Uh, yes. And knowing, because we had set up that we were going, going to work yeah. together. And yeah. so, of course, I like to be familiar with everybody's work uh, that comes on the show. And I had really been doing some listening before things happened. And uh, then as it happened, it was just, I kept returning to it and returning to it. And uh, it, there's something about the quality uh, of your voice and, of course, your, your talent musically uh, just it was it was something I could uh, hold on to. <laughs> wow, that's really kind of the biggest compliment that one could hear in this crazy uh, time. So thank you so much. That means a lot. Well, th thank you. Yeah. And uh, and how are you <laughs> right, oh, right now? <laughs> right, it's such a loaded question. Everyone's like, "Wait, how am actually? How am I? I don't I don't know how to answer that." Um, I think that I'm doing. Listen, I'm so lucky that I've remained healthy knock on everything where's what is that what um yeah. i i've had you know a lot of people that are close to me that have that have had covid and some people that have had long covid and you know we've all just been dealing with just the pain of those that are really suffering um and somehow i've remained healthy i've been in solitude truly because i've been my roommates moved away the beginning of the pandemic. And so I've been truly alone in my house um, and communicating with people over Zoom, going for walks sometimes mm -hmm. um, and uh, doing the whole thing that we're doing, which is like online, the new future. Who are we? We don't know. Like, I'm just I'm experiencing that along with everyone else. Um, right. But but I'd say like this is a very long-winded answer just because I really don't know how to answer that these days because you know we're also still there's so many unanswered questions we don't know what's happening yet yes. and I I'm saying no to you know people are asking me to do live gigs and I'm still saying no I don't know how to traverse that question um, and I'm just hoping for you know a vaccinated brave new world. <laughs> Indeed. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Everything's very uh, unsettled at the moment, though. Uh, yeah. um, things are moving, it seems like, in the right direction. Spring is happening. Uh, certainly yeah. people are out again. But uh, yes, there's the hesitancy that we know it's not normal yet. <laughs> and we've already yeah. spent this much time protecting everything and holding things down. That um, It's like bad luck, right? It's bad luck to be like, yes, everything's going to get better. I'm like, <laughs> I'm too superstitious for that. Where's my rabbit's foot? I just have to like be really careful about my thoughts right now and just be, you know, I'm like trepidatiously hopeful, I would say. Yes, yes. Well, I think uh, we're, we're both on that same page. Um, but since you're already fielding these kind of questions, let me ask you this. Uh, yeah. Would you be interested in joining a commune that I've started here in Brooklyn? Yes. Okay. Need good. you even ask? <laughs> Well, I had an inkling, but I have to go through it, you understand. <laughs> that, that's terrific. <laughs> of course, uh, mentally for me, uh, you've already been part of my commune because, as I said, you've just, uh, you know, as we reflect past this year, uh, uh, you've really been there 
<laughs> for me with um, oh, this wow. music that is so uh, honest and, and, and true and, and very healing. And I wish I knew exactly how to articulate what it is about your voice that conveys uh, vulnerability, that conveys emotional integrity. I don't know how to quite get there, but... I feel that way about your voice. <laughs> I'm not even joking. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I think what it, I think we all, you know, singers spend their whole lives trying to get to a place in performing and and singing on their albums and just in general where they're singing in a way where they're finally not thinking. There's the, there's no self consciousness and they're really truly present you know, almost like a yogi or, or you're thinking just about the words that you wrote. And I think that, um, I got to a place this year, um, especially from like live streaming every week. I was doing that even before I started working on my album over the summer, I was just live streaming every single week, even through all my writer's block. I just was like, I need to just sing every Saturday night for my fans. This is going to keep me human. This is going to keep me myself. And it really did. Um, but by the time I started writing this album, which, which was about this year and what I was experiencing it, what my close friends were experiencing, um, it was like, if I didn't, if I, if I didn't make it the album and the performances as raw and honest and live and kind of flawed as they were, um, then I was missing the mark, you know? And so it was really, it was really important to me to make my album sound like my house, make my performances. Like there's, there's, there's tracks on this record where the last track I start, I start twice. I start the song twice or the first song on the record. I'm like fiddling with the bench. And like, there's all this like pedal noise. It's like, I'm not singing at like a Carnegie hall, like beautiful sideways grand. I'm singing like at home and I'm trying to tell a personal story and an intimate story. And, um, and so I think that if that's the biggest compliment that you can tell me is just to say that your voice sounds honest, because I think yeah. it takes people a long time, actually, sometimes a lot of singers a long time to get to a place. Like if you heard my first album, there's a lot of thinking going on in, in those performances and there's a lot of editing and there's a lot of sheen that I think is I'm very um, intentionally not doing anymore. It, it seems, uh, it strikes me as you're talking, that it's very direct. It comes yes. from a, a very, absolutely in the center of your being and directly out. Yes. <laughs> as you said, you're not thinking too much and not adding stuff onto it. Um, and that uh, it must feel uh, good to recognize that in yourself as, a, as an artist. It's more like a relief, you know. <laughs> Listen, I... I wasn't sure. I've never, I've never produced, I've, I've co-produced things, but I've never not been in a studio for, for my records. And I don't, I didn't know how the world was going to hear this or how it was going to be received. I thought, well, I did something that was honest for me and I did something that I thought was a reflection, but everyone has a reflection of this year and every artist has a pandemic album that they're working on because it's what we're immediately experiencing. And so the fact that that's that people got that like, you know, that I got some nice reviews and that I'm getting really nice feedback from my fans and from you. Like, I think that's the best thing ever. Like that's feels better than 
it just feels better, I think, than like any any year where I was like making good money or something. You know what I mean? It's like it's the best to be like, oh, I did something. It was honest enough to uh, connect to someone. Great. Let's try to do that again if we can. Let's you know, let's muster right. again, muster it up, try to do it again. Right. That's right. How I feel. That's well, and it it, fe- it feels you know not to make too much of it, but it certainly feels connected to this moment um, where everyone is paring back and trying to get to essentially who we are and how do we move forward from that place um, with great integ- integrity and honesty and uh, being direct with one another in a way that is uh, also provides space for care and uh, not harm. You know, so absolutely uh, like f- that fine line. I mean, a lot of the album is just about there's a couple songs that are about our obsession with our phones, our, you know, addictions to the Internet and how we're using the Internet. And there's all this stuff about, you know, there's a silver lining of being able to connect with people in, in a new way and me being closer with my mother than I've ever been because I talked to her on the phone every day. And then there's also, you know, just the that like overstimulating chaos and anxiety of being inundated with information in this new way. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of people that were already like teenagers that, that were like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to self-identify when I'm constantly posting on Instagram and Facebook and like comparing myself with other people. And I think now it's like, well, this is our social world. This is how we remain healthy. And also, where is that fine line so that it, d- it doesn't become unhealthy? And it's very ambiguous, right? <laughs> yeah. So ambiguous. Yes. Um, but it's fascinating to me. And I think that's what the whole record was about. It was just like, okay, after this breakdown of communication, how, who are we? <laughs> right. Who right. am I? How, who are you? And how do, how do I get to you? And uh, amazing that you're able to then turn inward, inward, and to be productive from that. Um, I think that's certainly been a challenge that many of us have faced. Is uh, okay, <laughs> now we're here. What do we do with this? And uh, so to your great credit, you're able to make a whole album out of it, or as you said, keep that frequency of shows up. Um, and I know, you know, this past weekend for me was a bit of a valley, you know, not a peak, but a, oop, there we go, we're in the muck again. And uh, mm-hmm. I found myself turning to, again, to your album and, and just being mm-hmm. able to kind of process, to be quite honest, just stretch out there in the sleep hammock and let the tears flow. Uh, so, yeah. and I'm sure you hear it's that amazing. from a lot of a lot of people, but- I what don't. Do you... I've never oh, really? heard stretch out in the sleep hammock and let the tears flow. I love that line. <laughs> well, it made me think, oh my goodness, where does Elizabeth turn uh, when, when sadness creeps in? Are there musical mm-hmm. genres or things that you seek out uh, to, to offer some comfort or, or to just do, as I did, have a good cry? Absolutely. I think that my two most, most I almost I said most, most <laughs> cathartic um, listening experiences always have, fall to um nina simone yeah who i don't know if it's obvious how much she's influenced what i do but speaking of honesty just someone who's just like unapologetically almost aggressively honest um, right right uh in the best way and she's just channeling something 
from another world. And then there's, I was listening to Cesaria Avora, who is a Portuguese. Do you know her? Soldad is one of my favorites. Um, I mean, I was just singing that this year because, you know, it means solitude. Um, But like these people that feel like you're listening to like Mother Earth, like these really like deep, just earthy, beautiful, natural voices that have like no pretense whatsoever, I think are the voices that I'll, I'm not like listening to bright eyes to cry, although no problem with that. And there was a time in my life sure. when I did that as a, as, as a youngin. But um, but yeah, those those would be the two. I think the top the top two. Yeah, though two two good ones. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, they have certainly uh, held me in good stead through some tough times too. I would say, uh, and, yeah. and thinking about that sort of primalness of where music comes from do you think that uh, music perhaps co- is, comes from the cosmos that it's these uh, patterns that exist you know among the stars and vibrations that we're just able to repurpose them but that they're given to us yes and i love the way you said that again I'm just talking just let's just talk about the way that you form sentences now because it's, it's poetry <laughs> it's poetry that's so beautiful I, I i wouldn't even be able to say it as eloquently as you did but i think that the way that i look at it is i am not one of these writers who's who wakes up every day and and writes in the morning although i would like to be one of those writers um i sleep through the morning and then possibly write something late at night, but I don't. But I don't even. But it's 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 not like a habitual thing. And I think that sometimes when I'm lucky, and I've had enough distance, kind of like what happened when I took the I took six months of not writing for the first six months of the pandemic when I was just in shock, and then there was this little uh, dip in the numbers and the COVID numbers over last summer. And I was getting like a glimmer of hope. And I started just kind of outpouring all this music. Um, and I think it was cause there was some objectivity for a second because it was, it wasn't so close and painful, but I think back to your question is it, it almost was at, I feel as if the, the, the muse, like the songstress <laughs> gods, whoever they are, um, visit me. And I think that when I'm, and then I listen and I'm open to it and it comes out very fluidly and vi- almost like a rush. And I can and I try not to stop until it's done. Um, someone would call that maybe manic behavior. My father, or I remember would tell me that when I would get these ideas when I was growing up that I kind of wouldn't, I just like, wouldn't remember. To, I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't go to dinner. Like I wouldn't do anything. And I was just like, had to be done with something I was working on. And it's kind of the same now. So I was just kind of in this rush where I was just like that. It's a really big outpouring. And I feel so lucky when it happens and it doesn't happen all the time. It happens when it happens. Right. And, and I, and I, I think I'm always just kind of like, I always say thank you. Cause I know that it's not it, when it's good. It's really, uh, it's not me. Right. 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 I'm just like a channeling something. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's important to acknowledge, too. Yeah. And it's also important, uh, by the way, to have the moments where nothing's happening and you're Absolutely. just listening for that and, and kind of ready to step into yeah, it. Yeah. Or it, you're not at all. Like, I think that I needed I haven't written since. I mean, I started writing a little bit in the last couple of days, 
Um, but it wasn't like I was being like visited by the muse. It was more just kind of more like a fun game um, because I had some more free time finally now that the record is out. And um, I hadn't before that, I, after I wrote the album, I hadn't written for a long stretch again where I was just getting ready to promote the album. There's a lot that goes into that. And it's like I put on my other that was like left brain, right brain stuff, you know, where I was like, OK, I'm shifting. And then when I come back to it, um, it's almost like you're like this vessel and you have if you're just pushing yourself to write every day. And there's some people that do it so beautifully. So God bless them. But like I need to fill up my inspiration jar with all the gunk. I don't have that. <laughs> and when I have all that gunk, then I have something to play with. But I can't just force it, you know. I do know. I know all about gunk. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> is that the right word for it? It certainly is. I sometimes yes. call my I sometimes call my my outpourings of of what I do write um, vomiting because it's that's what it feels like. So it's like gunk and vomiting. You know, I'm just, yeah. it's, very, it's very primal. <laughs> yes. Well, as someone who takes great inspiration from the Gowanus Canal, I'm very familiar with. <laughs> gunk and its creative potential uh, so uh, uh, but you, you know you mentioned uh, young Elizabeth there and I wondered when you knew that you had a voice that was capable of doing the things that it does uh, were, were you at some family gathering and just let loose was there a moment where everybody said oh my gosh <laughs> this, no, this kid's I, got it I was this kid's got it <laughs> um my Sorry, I think I was just screaming there. Um, my <laughs> parents knew very early on that I was very musical because I wouldn't shut up. I was constantly singing. I was just the most annoyingly... I mean, some people might find it cute. I'm sure it really annoyed my brother. I just wouldn't stop singing all day long. <laughs> Constant You're... noise. It's like what my neighbors have to deal with now. Um, and so I was... They put me into this amazing choir. I was one of the first members of this, of the New York young people's choir, which is run by Francisco Nunez. Who's like a MacArthur winner. Um, he's incredible, uh, composer, classical composer, and probably one of the most famous, uh, children's choir composers in the world. And they just, it just happened to be around the corner children's aid society that that's where he started. He was like an after school cook basketball coach at the time he was like still going through school and then he started this choir and he's a genius and I and I and I sang this very unique progressive music when I was very young I mean, and then we were touring like I got to sing for Hillary Clinton at the White House when I was like nine they were doing all this crazy stuff singing this really unique um, I remember like Inuit music and like South African music and music that he had written um uh, it was very cool and long story long, uh, <laughs> I kind of knew I was a singer early on and then I stopped the choir and I stopped my piano lessons and kind of all, and my dance lessons, everything when I, when I started high school, um, it was almost my little, my little break again. It was my dry spell so that I could fill up on the inspiration again, but I didn't know that I wanted to be a musician yet. And it wasn't until... Uh, a, a few years later that I really started writing and saying, oh, maybe there's something to explore here. Hmm. 
And do you think uh, some of that exposure to like polyrhythms and uh, diverse backgrounds has influenced oh, oh, you to this day? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I and I think that I was so lucky to, to I mean, I grew up in Greenwich Village and then just had, you know, I had the the kids were from all over New York. So we had kids from Harlem and kids from the Bronx and the Upper East Side and the village and everyone was just this traveling little choral crew. And, uh, and it was a really amazing upbringing for sure. Yeah. So it seems like he actually just called me. He hadn't talked to me in years and years, Francisco, they still have the choir. And he just called me and he said, I heard your song together alone from your new album. And I'm really moved by it. Will you write a piece for the choir? So I'm like, I'm commissioned to do a choral piece now. So (laughs) that's exciting and bringing it all around, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, in addition to the kind of like cosmic forces and primalness and gunk, there must also be a science to a song like that one, uh, uh, Together Alone, because that's certainly the one that worked on me to to get the emotions going. Uh, uh, What is the underlying structure there that you're kind of uh, maybe moving with? And I assume you're aware of that you're doing it. Um. So that's the song about our addictions to our phones. Yep. Um, for the listeners, it's it feels like a many act play because there's an intro and then there's this very like this verse that could actually stand as a chorus. My brain is connected to my hand is connected to my phone. And then there's the chorus um, and they all kind of go to these different musical lands and it was actually, you know, it's not like a sell for my label. It's not a song that's going to do well on the radio. It's not a song that's necessarily going to get a lot of hits, but um, Spotify hits, that means. Um, but it's, but I, when I wrote it, I thought, I, I just feel like that there's so much, there's the good, the bad, the ugly, the foolish, the entertaining aspects of our phones. And I want this song to sound kind of ADD like this. Like you're just kind of constantly sifting like a life in the day of our phone. Um, and so that day in the life, life in the day, does it mean the same thing? Who knows? Um, in my brain it does, but it's, but it's wrong. It's very wrong. Um, the, the, the video um, that my friend Robert Dean put together is really elevated the song so that you could feel like you were a day in the life in the phone. Right. And just everything I was going through. And it actually shot from, we, we figured like, Dean was like, Hey, you know that you can press record on your phone screen and just record everything that you do on the phone. And I was like, well, there. that's the video. <laughs> that's the video. Um, but, but I think I didn't know that that song was actually going to be emotionally uh, hitting people. I thought this feels like a thesis of a song it feels almost over-intellectualized. And I wasn't sure if people were going to relate to it the way they did. And I think only because we are living in these exact times and I convinced my label that I had to release this right away, even without touring, is that's why people are getting back to me and saying, oh, wow, emotionally, this is doing a lot for me right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, it's, yes. it's just timing. That's yeah. it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's another one of these that is just of the moment, yeah, and, and speaks to I think all of our 
conditions yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, it's a, you know, Robert Dean, by the way, has been on the show, this show. And, no. Uh, oh, yeah, years ago. No, it Yeah. And uh, one of the great comedic minds out there. Uh, yes. Just fantastic. So I think the world of him. Um, yes. Uh, so, but you have studied music and you have, you, you went to some kind of school for it, right? <laughs> yeah, I went to um, Berkeley school. I took a, a year off to see what I was doing. That's when I started writing. I said, oh, okay, I think I want to do film scoring. Hmm. That's where I belong. So I went to Berkeley for film scoring. That's, and can I ask? You, I would have. Sorry. Yeah. Can I? Sorry to interrupt. But the, there was a time there, which I imagine would be around the time that you're talking about, where soundtracks really took off in a kind of different, weird way. It, it was. Mm. Did this have any influence on that? There was a moment where they were like a uh, a popular section of the CD store. Yeah. <laughs> in, in a, in a, Tower Records. Yeah. In a way that it hadn't been before. Maybe it was, and I just didn't clue into it or something. Like, I know people had, like, Carousel. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the, I, I mean, I've always, I was a big fan of Danny Elfman forever, but I think what was, you know, Marconi is amazing. There's there's definitely composers out there that, that have influenced us without us even knowing it. But what I think that the main, my main, uh, the reason for that decision was I thought I can make money doing this. Yeah. Hey. Very good. Very practical. Two, yeah. two um, I really love telling stories and I, and that this feels like the ultimate art form where you can just combine the music and the story. It's like when, you know, it's like when musicals became a thing, you know, mm -hmm. for me, I was just like, this is the ultimate trifecta, you know, uh, movies and movie music. So this will be something I could definitely learn from what ended up happening, which is so strange. Also, I wanted to really learn the engineering behind it so I could engineer on my own records. And but what actually ended up happening was that Patty Austin, who is a jazz singer, great jazz singer, came yeah. to the school looking for background vocalists. I was singing with Esperanza Spalding in my first band, the Elizabeth Zeman band. Mm -hmm. um, and Esperanza was playing with Patty and she said, you know, you should really do this. I think that you would enjoy it. And I said, I don't know how to do that. I haven't sang stuff. I haven't sang stuff like this, like since I was a child. I haven't sang on a stage like this since I was a child. She said, you have to do this. It's going to be really cool. So we ended up touring. Basically, uh, I didn't get to finish my film score degree because I was touring. So I got some other, they gave me credit for touring with Patty Austin as a singer. And I think that really got me to be like, okay, I'm going to start taking singing really seriously too. And then lo and behold, I've scored with Paul Brill, who's a um, very accomplished uh, composer, especially for documentary films. He's kind of cornered that market. Um, I've scored 25 films with him. Wow over like seven years. So I still, that's still the, the main way that I made my living as an adult. And you kind of never know where these things are, how it's going to come back because he was a fan of mine and it was, you know, at least seven years or to eight, nine years after school that he was like, you know, yeah. Oh no, it was my first album. Okay. Like five years after school, he was like, you, you should write with me. Hmm. I was like, really? <laughs> I went to school for this. 
<laughs> oh, that's perfect. What do you, what do you know? <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And uh, uh, in the songs that are your own, there are yeah. so many, you know, shifts and changes of direction and storytelling that goes on with a very your very vivid picture that you're also able to to create do you imagine pictures as you're writing the music absolutely yeah um because because you're not because when you're writing um i'm just imagining exactly i'm only concentrated on the the narrative aspect of what i'm writing i don't even do the music um first ever Mm -hmm. it's very rare i sit and i get an idea i overhear a conversation like at a cafe or um or it's a you know an idea occurs to me of a story i start writing it it's it's kind of prose ish and then it becomes and then i start saying it out loud it becomes something like a rap i do the dishes or i take a walk and i start rapping the, the lyrics i keep writing when I have something that feels like I'm starting to tell a real story, I bring it to the piano or the guitar. So it's like, absolutely. I'm thinking of images. I'm thinking of feelings, everything that a writer would think of. I'm just, I'm, it's not usually musically inspired. Even without knowing that I, that's how I would have guessed it. (laughs) Yeah. Great. Listening to it because the, not that yeah. they're disconnected or not that they're part of what I feel that they are whole, right? The songs, but but there is a, a different levels <laughs> going on with it, where suddenly the music might come up like a wave and crest over it, and then the the words kind of tumble back in and things recede and uh, move forward. It's a uh, it's a rich listening experience because of I think what you just said. Yeah, it's just important to me. I don't think that um, I'm not, I want the perfect marriage, but for a reason, you know, like I don't, I, I, I don't really understand why, unless the song, like if I was going to sing a song that was like an acapella track in the middle of an album where I'm just like repeating a line over and over again, maybe that would serve a per, an artistic purpose as like, a respite, some kind of break from the intensity of the other music. Maybe it would feel like some kind of pure, just like hymnal moment where, where that was necessary for the succession of sounds that were happening. But in general, what I'm doing with every song is I'm like, I want to create a world within this song. So what am I saying? What am I saying? Like, that's the main thing. And then if it feels like, this is worth saying. And it seems like it's so much, I mean, I'm not saying this to myself consciously or else I probably wouldn't finish a single song. But if I don't, if it feels like kind of worthy of like, like if I'm just writing a song about being jealous of a friend, I don't know if I'm going to continue writing that song, but if I'm writing a song about being an older woman and losing my husband to a younger woman and and what all of the feelings that could conjure up and what that means in relation to the world as it is right now. Now that's a song to me. Mm -hmm. 
Whereas the first thing is like, I could write like forever about, you know, it's really hard when you're like, your friends are famous. Your friends are famous. Who cares? Really? Who cares? I don't even care. It doesn't matter. But like, so, so that's the kind of things that are, I think that as I'm getting older, I'm starting to, you know, lay into a little bit more. So within the invention of the fictitious, uh, fictitious uh, scenario or a, a yeah. scenario that is maybe plausible, yeah. uh, you're able yeah. to then process your feelings in a, a myriad of ways, as opposed to just yeah. staying with the thing that might be happening for you in that moment. But you're able to see yes. it from maybe different angles. And, and I think that the things that the thing that is happening for you in that moment, like if I'm a truly angry about something or if I've truly been hurt by someone, I better get my ass to the desk and start writing because that's going to be a real honest fuel for something interesting. Um, but it, yes, exactly. It doesn't have to stay about my stay within my story. Right. Right. It doesn't have to be anger at the microwave or whatever it is that you're <laughs> maybe ha having in that uh, particular moment. That's true. Well, uh, <laughs> is there something... I don't think I've ever gotten angry at the microwave. Oh, well, <laughs> when you're at the commune, I'll show you some reasons, <laughs> some ways to do that. Um, well, uh, it, it also, uh, thinking about your work and the way that uh, and hearing about your process of it it reminds me of the story of the herald and the purple crayon you know that one that's a lot of, it's like a, is kid, that like a, a kid story a kid story right and he, yeah. he, he draws I'm, I'm, this whole is it, was it animated yeah he draws uh -huh. the whole world with just a single crayon and he gets into different scrapes because you know he'll draw a crocodile and have to get out of that or if he needs to go somewhere he'll draw the waves and sail off on a boat um, and there's something about drawing your own universe um, with words and notes and and describing a world that exists uh, but still being formed as you as you sing it into being seems seems <laughs> at least relevant to what we're talking about um, if not a mm. perfect description of how you do it it is a perfect description there's something to it, right? Yes. <laughs> right. Well, I maybe go back and look at that book because I think you you like it. I'm remembering it. I'm remembering it. <laughs> yeah. I think he has a nice. I'm remembering. He has like a very minimal face. He has like these two little. That's his hair. Yeah, he's just like round. Two little. Yeah. 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 I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Oh, something. And uh, that's. I I can grok that man. Yeah, <laughs> I like where yeah. he said it. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's and it's so hopeful, um, and it's such a to to just say to a child, you know, it's empowering. Yeah, here's a crayon, make something that doesn't exist yet, manifest it into reality with your will. You know, <laughs> right. it's very. Life-affirming. It is. It is. Uh, speaking of which, when you're not writing music, when you're not engaged in this, where are you seeking inspiration? And, uh, you know, how do you occupy your... I know Oslo uh, may be part of that, uh, but <laughs> what, what are you doing in that in those moments? Oh, my gosh. There's... I mean, I, I, I could just go on, like, I could just read you lists of things that I'm reading and then the diff my new meditation teachers and albums I like. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to actually, if you have a good 
Do you have a good recommendation for a new book that I could start this week? Because I finally have a little bit more time to myself. Oh, yes, I have many. <laughs> There's the, 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 the book that's, uh, I think it's called The Book About Eels. It's all about uh, the way that eels, you know, the animal, uh, goes through its various metamorphic stages and how it's also a kind of mystery because nobody's ever seen one start or end. So nobody knows. Oh, wow. It, it, it's pretty good. <laughs> wow, that sounds so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we'll, 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 we'll talk more about yes, it after the show. Yes, we can do a book I would, love some, I would love some more recommendations, although the eels is a good start. Yeah. Um, I would say that the, my biggest, the, the people that I was listening to a lot during while I was writing this album were like Fiona Apple's new Fetch the Bolt Cutters, Joanna Sternberg's first album laura mavula is this beautiful um like cinematic writer from england where she has all these really unique choral um arrangements for everything and harp and strings um and i was watching um i may destroy you mm-hmm. which is that michaela cole is that her last name cole um amazing hbo premiere of this incredible show um about a woman and her close friends and and sexual trauma that she went through and and just kind of the, her voice as a writer the way that she makes something so heavy and so painful almost into this like whimsical playful story which is all and, and it almost hits harder it's almost more painful because of the way that she kind of balances all of those emotions and feelings um in her writing but she was probably influenced me somehow because i was just so blown away by that um and i i watched some good ken burns documentaries and uh (laughs) i you know i've been playing with my bunny and i've been using my uh my instapot and my uh new air fryer and just making goodies for myself lots of pizza it sounds like a rich, a rich existence. That's for sure. You know, I'm trying. I just went through the entire. I went through everything I could possibly think of for, to answer that question. Um, I appreciate that. And the, maybe, maybe a little overdone. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and the bunny is Oslo. In case people don't know that, yes. So that I want to make clear, people that I knew what I was talking about. And um, when we spoke on one of the shows, you were also. It seemed to me you had a kind of a nerdy streak. Is that accurate? I mean, how do we define nerd? <laughs> you were doing something with elves. and uh, Oh, so, gosh. So, so I didn't know if that was a big part of your life. I was doing life, Dungeons or... and Dragons for a while. <laughs> okay, okay. Does that mean I'm a nerd? Uh, I don't know. I guess it does <laughs> mean that I'm a nerd. I mean, I think I say that I think being called a nerd is a compliment. It's a compliment. But I don't know if it's a compliment within the confines of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. I don't know if it's a compliment to be a Dungeons and Dragons nerd, but I think that it's like cool to be nerdy if it means that you're, you have any intellect in your brain. But I think that Dungeons and Dragons was a low point for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In my year. Listen, that's fair. It's fun. It's that's fun. Fair. I was just not very good at it. Uh, I didn't really get into the characters well, into yeah. my bard elf elfin character. I tried, but I, failed and I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't believe in the fantasy realm that I was playing in. I totally get that. And the method acting was not there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's been a barrier to, to my enjoyment of that too. Uh, 
<laughs> so, well, uh, I tell you, one of the other things that I experienced while listening to the album um, was uh, sincerely eat. Right, that's that's what it's called. Uh, was that longing to go and sit and hear you play at Joe's Pub? With a dandy riot cocktail, you know, next to me, uh, awaiting maybe some soft serve yeah. in that room where we're all laughing and smiling and weeping together. Yes. And uh, I hope yes. that we're able to get back to that. Me too. And, you know, all of their overpriced cocktails are something I never thought I would miss. And I really <laughs> do miss them. Yes. I do. I miss that. paying too much for for fries at Joe's Pub, oh, um, yeah. but I exactly. but I but I love playing there. I yeah. love playing there, yes. and I love and and I'm as soon as the world opens back up, I'm going to do a song, at, a song, one single song. I'm going to do a show at Rockwood, um, and that's my favorite club in all of the land, Rockwood Music Hall. Yeah, and I just. I'm just going to look everyone in the face like so much throughout the show. It's going to make everyone so uncomfortable how much I'm just like looking at the audience <laughs> because I miss them so much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, they'll be looking back, I'm sure, <laughs> because <laughs> we're all in it. Um, and uh, by the way, I enjoyed the additional content, uh, too, as a, a backer. Uh, the, oh, wonderful. The news, the, Great. Bored of myself. Uh, just perfect. One of the tracks there. So uh, now you're going to keep you. doing shows uh, every week or so, or what do you? What's the plan? I, I just I just did one uh, Saturday night. It's up on my. I do it on my Facebook Elizabeth and the Catapult Facebook page, uh, and uh, and then I do and then I hop on over to Instagram and do a live stream there on Saturday night after Facebook. And I think I'm just. Uh, I think I just have to try not to do it. Um, every night because I just I crave it so much it's like to me it's like my drug yeah is like being able to play whenever I want to it really is such a silver lining to just be like oh I'm working on this I'm practicing this song at home maybe it'd be better if I practice live <laughs> than like my poor audience just listening to me working through things um but yes I'm I'm live every Saturday night I can't stop doing it I just I adore it so much well, they're, they're great they fun. They the connection. Yeah, I've tuned in a couple of times, and it's always, uh, it's always wonderful. Um, oh, thank I, you. I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this. Was there ever a catapult involved? What does that suggest for you? <laughs> <laughs> just the what does that suggest for you made my brain just start spinning. Um, yes, I played first as a trio with these two guys that um when we broke up as a band they started playing with they're the the guys in the band lucius yes um and then i still worked with them on all of my albums i mean even this album that i produced myself danny from uh lucius just uh, mixed it like but he's always they're always involved somehow um and always playing but then i played with a uh, Adam Minkoff and John O'Linden and a bunch of other Hannah Winkler, great, great players um, for like the last, I don't know, many number of years. And what I, what I noticed is that um, even though I'm the songwriter, um, it, it is just a magical thing to have a band that you 
can really express the songs with and really bring them to life, especially just to give this excitement on stage, you know, yes. um, that I really miss. Um, but I was, I was starting to tour a lot solo because people were asking me to tour solo. And so I had to kind of start flexing this muscle as more of a solo artist purely just logistically because I was doing it so much that I thought, Oh, wow, this is, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have more solo songs on this record to show what, just what it's like when I'm at home practicing and what it's been like on the road for me for a little while. So, um, the catapult is now, I guess I have to come up with an answer for that. Like it's my friends. And then it's also like, I don't know, a force for good in the world. Yes. I have no idea. I had to say something with force because it's a weapon. Well, yeah. That's it's a, a weapon of positivity. That's right. That's right. Just some, let's make up some stupid slogan. <laughs> May you wield it well. And you do. And you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Elizabeth, um, obviously I think the world of you, and I'm so appreciative of your talent. Um, thank you for spending some time with me uh, today. It's uh, just great fun. Um, and where can people find the album? The album is on Spotify and on iTunes and any digital platform that exists. Bandcamp. I don't know any others. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and do you get a little bit from that if people go into the Bandcamp special days and all that? Sure. Sure thing I do. Yeah, good. But really, you know, honestly, I have to say that uh, we're in the age where people stream and that's okay. And that's how I released this because I wasn't going on road on the road. So I don't have physical copies of stuff. Um as of now and i think however you want to listen i'm just honored that you're listening you know honestly it's just a cool thing <laughs> fair enough <laughs> that's good well a terrific elizabeth all the best to you thanks so much thank you this was great oh a very warm time spent in the deep night isn't it <laughs> My goodness, it just was terrific uh, to talk with Elizabeth. And sometimes we do put in a track or something for the musicians that we feature. But this time, I'm going to direct you to go to Bandcamp, go to Spotify, and listen to Sincerely E, and make it part of the entire Elizabeth and the Catapult experience. All right? I want you to be immersed in that world, uh, not kind of jumping from one thing to the next. Uh, you'll be rewarded for doing so, I am positive. And I'm going to recommend you have some tissues handy when Together Alone comes on, but there's also a lot of joy in there, too. And so I know you'll find it. it is, it's an extraordinary work of musical artistry. And uh, yes, seek it out. Give it a listen or two. Maybe it can help when things are tough or the darkness creeps in. We'll get through it together. Uh, I thank you, Elizabeth, again for joining me and for sharing your talent and good humor with us. Till next time, remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Miss ya, Mom. Deep Night with Dale is produced and performed by James Bewley. Season theme song by Mariam Cadus of Space Moth. Season podcast icon by Philippa Beleza. Incidental music heard throughout the program by the talented roster at Howler Hills Farm in Ohio. Remember to rate and review the program on Apple Podcasts or tune in and stream the show on Spotify, SoundCloud, Pandora, or Stitcher, wherever you find fine audio content. 
To see any of our live shows or other short videos, visit our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Radio, and follow us on Instagram at Seaver is the handle. Thanks again for listening, and remember this season to keep your portals open and at a safe distance. <laughs>